Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I'm privileged to have as my guest, Dr. Michael Clore. He's one of my longtime friends, and uh, I'm just delighted to have him. Welcome, Dr. Clore. I appreciate you being on my program today. Can, can you please identify yourself to my audience and just tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a Southern Baptist preacher, pastor. I pastored five churches uh, over the last five decades. Uh, And then two years ago, I didn't want to retire. God moved me, changed my assignment from being a pastor to one church to where now I'm pastoring uh, 70 other pastors (laughs) in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's called the Mission Strategist for the Cape Fear Network of Baptist Churches. Man, that's a big job, sounds like to me. <laughs> I get to preach a lot, and I get to help stir them toward the Great Commission. I hear you. I hear you. Now, my understanding is you just got back from a, a mission trip to South Asia. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to. There are seven of us uh, from this network of churches travel to one of the largest Muslim nations on earth, and it's in South Asia. Most people don't realize that, especially when we're talking about South Asia, we're talking about India, Pakistan, uh, Bhutan, Nepal, Sri Lanka, uh, Bangladesh. Many people don't understand that among that 1.8 billion people that live in South Asia, one out of every three Muslims on earth are in South Asia. My goodness. And we went to one of those largest nations where uh, 99.4% of the nation is lost. 99.4%. My goodness. Well, what's the population there, you think? Uh, the population is half the population of the United States of America in a land size the size of the state of Georgia. Oh, my. So we're talking about uh, they're among the top eight most densely populated nations on earth. People on top of each other. and Where do they put them so, all? <laughs> so, <laughs> Christians are a small, small minority. We're talking about uh, only four-tenths of one percent of the population are Christians. Just a speck. My goodness. Well, now, what, what all were y'all able to do while you were there? And, and do, you have to, do you have to do it undercover? No, we, we're just we're there as tourists, and so as we're taking pictures and seeing the sights, uh, people come up to us and want to talk or ask where we're from. We tell them, "What are you doing here? We're tourists. Uh, we're taking pictures and finding out about your country. Uh, what country are you from?" We tell them the United States. Uh, why would you want to come here? Because tourists don't go to this country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we love this country, and uh, we want to find out everything we can about it. Uh, within a few seconds, seeing that we don't look like they do and don't dress like they do, the question comes up, uh, well, are you Muslim? Oh, no. 
we're followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, have you heard of Jesus? Uh, very, very few people. I've only met two people, and I've been going there for years. I've only met two that had heard about something about Jesus. And by the way, what they heard was wrong, but they, at least they had heard his name. Uh-huh. So uh, we talk as long as I, they'll let us talk. We get to share the gospel, share gospel stories. And so we did that a good bit. We also got to teach uh, national pastors, national leaders who came from all over the country in for a teaching. And then we had one special day where we got to spend that day only with those who had been in prison. Mm. That was their requirement for attending this meeting. They had to have suffered torture or been in prison. We don't have conferences like that in the United States, do we? No, if we did, they'd be sparsely attended. <laughs> but these men and women had been severely persecuted. Oh, I wish I could tell you many of the stories. Can I just tell you one story of one of their testimonies? Yeah, please, please do. Uh, Manush, Manush is the name that I'll give you. Uh, Manush is one of these pastors uh, said, here's his testimony. Uh, about almost 20 years ago, uh, he was teaching at a Muslim school. It was all Muslims. Uh, and there was a man pushed a cart across the street from the school. And he had some vegetables on it, but he had some pamphlets and some even uh, New Testaments. They were in the language of the people. But this teacher said he, he hadn't noticed the man, but the teachers got together one day during the day and said, this man is a Christian, and he's trying to convert the people to become Christians. We've got to stop him, and someone needs to go and, and tell him to move, or they will destroy the cart. The teachers decided when they looked at Montouche, he's the largest of them. He was the one elected to destroy the cart. So he went across the street, talked to the guy, uh, asked him what he was doing, and he said, I'm selling vegetables and telling people about Jesus. Oh, you cannot do that here. Uh, why Why can't I? Because we teach across the school. You, you know this is a Muslim school. You cannot do that here. You must leave immediately. They always said, I'm not, I'm not breaking the law. I'm not hurting anybody. He said, but that doesn't matter. We do not want you here. You must leave. He refused to and said, can I just give you some fruit? Uh, no, no. Uh, would you mind looking at one of these pamphlets? It's yours free. What is it about? Well, he said, one thing that I do is offer a Bible course. Uh, you can take this course. You can take it home with you. It's free. When you fill out the questions and bring it back, uh, I will let you have another course if you want it. Oh, I would never want anything like that. And he said, uh, would you be willing even to look at it? Well, I'll look at it, but I'm coming back tomorrow, and if you're still here, I'm going to destroy this cart. Montush took that Bible course home that usually takes several weeks. Uh, he finished it that night. Oh, my. Uh, because everything that he needed to read was in that one pamphlet. He brought it back to him uh, the next day, and he says, this makes no sense. And he said, well, take the second course. And he said, well, you cannot be here tomorrow or I will destroy this. He took it. 
It took him two nights to do the second course because it was about uh, creation. Well, to make a long story short, it took him two and a half years to take every one of the Bible courses that they offered, Old Testament, New Testament, completely. By the time he got through the Gospels, Montouche had given his life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> the teachers kept asking him, why haven't you destroyed this? I'm waiting till the right time. And then the next day, I'm waiting till the right time, two and a half years. He wouldn't let anybody else because he said, you elected me and I will take care of this. When he finishes the last Bible course, uh, this brother in Christ told him, you've got to express your faith now to others and you've got to follow Christ in baptism. He said, how will I do this? I will lead you to some people that will help. Uh, Montouche, after he gave his life to Christ, went home and told his new bride that he was now a follower of Christ, and she hit the roof, literally. Uh, she said, you must leave. I cannot be married to a man uh, who is a Christian. I will not eat the rice of a Christian. And she literally threw out his three or four changes of clothes, all of his possessions, and made him leave the house. Uh that evening at his parents' house, this is a grown man, moving back into his parents who said he could not stay there, but they'd let him spend the night because they too were Muslims. Three men came to that house and demanded that he come outside. When he went outside, one of the men began to beat him. Uh, they beat him severely. They took uh, rods, iron rods that was used for rebar and construction. And they beat him and beat him, thinking that they had killed him. He quit breathing. As far as they knew, he was dead. The next morning, some people saw him lying there on the side of the road, took him to his parents' house. He was still alive. And when he was able enough to leave the house, he did leave the house and was gone for two and a half years. And that two and a half years, he came back to his home village, went to that woman that had thrown him out that had been his wife, and who answered the door was one of those men that had led in his severe beating. She had set her husband up to be beaten, and the man that beat him, she married. And now they were both in that house, and their, his, his eyes were open when Montouche was staring at him and said, can I come in and talk to you? They led him in the house. He told them what had happened. They fell under deep conviction. He asked, can I come back tonight? No, no, don't leave. Stay here and tell us more. Sometime in the night, that night, later on, those two became followers of Jesus Christ. Oh, my. They have a little baby now. They've told their relatives. Montouche ends up leading not only his former wife and her new husband, who led the torture and beating of him, but their whole families to the Lord. That's how a local church was started in that town. Now here he is, 20 years later, and he's what we refer to as a master teacher because he's got so many others who've now been discipled by him and they've planted churches, all of them suffering persecu severe persecution. Most of these have scars on their faces Dr. Jackson, as we would be listening to them, and they were talking about how blessed they were to be able to suffer for Jesus' sake. 
Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, Michael. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And and how many how many pastors like Manush were you able to meet? We talked to about eighteen of them who had met together, who had just now these had just been out of prison. They they had to have been in prison or severely tortured within the past year because they do one of these sessions every year. So if it's been two years since you've been in prison, you, you weren't qualified. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. So we met in a place, a secret place, and they asked us to teach on uh, what the Bible says about persecution. <laughs> and so I called it the theology of persecution. And I was amazed. Tell us what you were able to share with these pastors. I'm sure my listeners would, would like to hear what you were able to teach these brothers who had been through significant persecution. What does the Bible say to men like that? Uh, I, I told them, I have, I have no right whatsoever. I have never been persecuted. Uh, I don't know what that's like except I've read about it and met people who have been, I can just tell them what the Scripture says. And they said, if you'll tell us what the Scripture says, we'll talk to each other about the reality. How about that? And so uh, I called it the blessing of persecution. I could say that because that's what Jesus called it. And we took it as our text, Matthew chapter 5, in those eight different blessings. Jesus said in the the last one, and they build up, they build up. You start by being poor in spirit, but then the the crescendo of them all is the one where Jesus says, blessed are you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Jesus said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And remember, the prophets were persecuted before you. That's right. That's right. And so Jesus says it's a blessing. It may not look like a blessing. It certainly doesn't feel like a blessing. But oh, how many saints of God through the years. Let me just, let me just give you five blessings of being persecuted. First of all, there's a... There's the blessing of being marked as a follower of Jesus. Hmm. I mean, this is a way that they'll know you really are a follower of Jesus. It's it's hard to for us to identify with that in the United States. But in these Muslim nations, especially, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to stick out, and it's not going to be long till you're going to draw the attention of the enemy. And uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. However, he uses flesh and blood. And Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you because you are my followers. That's the reason. They hate the Lord Jesus, but they can't touch him. So they touch the closest thing to him, his children. It's a mark of obedience. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, he talks about his persecution, and then, then he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, wait a minute. I, I don't like that verse. I agree with that verse. Of course, it's, the verse is true. 
But that makes me ask myself a question. It, it says all. Mm-hmm. And I looked up that in the original Greek, and the word all there literally means all. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. It didn't say all who go to church. <laughs> it doesn't say all who call themselves a Christian. The identification is all who have a desire, I'm going to live my life godly in Christ Jesus. If you do that, you're going to stick out. And there's going to be persecution against you. It may not be always physical persecution. It could be uh, they have something what they call uh, silent persecution. And they talk to us about many of their children who are silently being persecuted. Because in school, when the call to prayer sounds out over the loudspeaker in the mosque, everything stops in school. And all the Muslim children get out of their desk and the boys get down on their knees and bow down three times, kiss their mat and praise, except those who are Christians. These blessed brothers and sisters talks about their children in school who would not pray and the other children would beat them up and persecute them and they would go and talk to the teachers about it, say, you must stop this. And they said, we we cannot help what the children do. That's silent persecution. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. It's, it's a blessing because it's a mark of obedience. A second blessing is there's great reward in heaven when you're persecuted. Jesus said that in this beatitude in Mark, Matthew chapter 5. He says, be happy about it because great is your reward waiting for you in heaven. Well, what a blessing that's going to be for those who've been persecuted. We know that in the book of Revelation, especially those who are martyred in the last days who gave their life for Christ. And even Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, uh, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us later. So there's a blessing of being identified as a Christian. What's the identifying mark? The identifying mark of a Hindu is the red dot on their head. The identifying mark uh, for a Buddhist is they shave their head, the Buddhist men and the Buddhist women wear the scarf. What's the identification of a Christian? It's ungodly people persecuting you. Then secondly, there's great reward here on this earth and in heaven. The third blessing is when you're persecuted, you're in good company. (laughs) You're in good company. Jesus said, blessed are you when people mock you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you because you're my followers. And he said, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Man, Amos chapter 7 talks about his persecution. Jeremiah These are his own countrymen. This is his own flesh and blood relatives persecuting him. Dug a pit and threw him in it. Daniel in the lion's den. Those three friends of Daniel in the fiery furnace. There you've got the apostles. You've got Stephen. You've got Peter and John. You've got the apostle Paul. Oh, how Paul talks about his suffering in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, uh, I, I know I sound like a madman, but I have suffered, served more than any of you. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 
I've been whipped times without number. I faced death over and over again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, once I spent the whole night and day adrift in sea. I've suffered danger from rivers, danger from my kinsmen, danger from the Gentiles. It goes on and lists, oh, man, oh, how, how we can be in good company with brothers and sisters who lived in biblical days. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of those. Oh, how they suffered. How they wandered from uh, caves and dens. How they were sawn asunder. Dr. Jackson, can you imagine being sawn in two? Not, not by a skill saw or a chainsaw. You remember how Isaiah the prophet died? Uh, we know from history Isaiah was sown with a wooden saw till he died. So it's a blessing. It's a mark of obedience. You've got great reward. You're in good company. Hey, here's the fourth blessing. It's only temporary. No matter what they might do to our, us here on this earth, it's only temporary. For I imagine that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. That's that Romans 8 passage. Second Corinthians chapter 4, he reminds us that what we see is only temporary. What we don't see is eternal. And then there's one other blessing, and I'll stop with this. There's the blessing of enjoying the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's something about persecution. There's something about being tortured for the name of Jesus that causes his presence to be more real to you than ever. That's why those three men that, that were thrown in the fire, when Nebuchadnezzar came and checked on him, Nebuchadnezzar said, I looked and behold, there was a fourth likened to the Son of God. <laughs> it was the Son of God. It was Jesus. So, man, what a lesson that is for all of us. If we, if we forsake the fire we forfeit the fellowship. Mm, what right. a blessing that is. Mm, that's right. <laughs> I'm writing as fast as I can, Michael. <laughs> it's, it's hard for us to identify with that. But, Brother Robert, I'm talking to men and women who, as I'm talking, they're just, they're just weeping and raising their heads. And one time one of them just gets up and dances around thanking the Lord that he had got this opportunity to suffer. It's just exactly what John and Peter said. Uh, we're not worthy to suffer for his name. That's right. That's right. I understand it. I understand it. When I was in India, my, my pastor friend there introduced me to seven or eight pastors who had all been brutally, brutally beaten for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you could see the marks on their faces and on their shoulders and arms. And, and they were so full of joy. They were so full of the life of Jesus Christ. And they shared their stories, but they were not embittered. They were not angry. They were just full of the joy and, and full of delight that they were counted worthy to suffer with Jesus Christ. And, and these men were evangelists. These men were outspoken evangelist and they were determined 
that despite all of the physical abuse, that they had to go back to their villages. In in Indian, in, in their language, they call it villages. They're villages. <laughs> to, to tell their family and friends about Jesus. And they were not deterred in the least by the physical abuse, by the persecution that had befallen them. And and they were they were almost embarrassed to share with with uh, us folks from America the abuse that had befallen them. Uh, they didn't want to tell us. They didn't want to tell us at all. But the 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 coordinator of the trip encouraged them to share with us what had happened. But they didn't want to talk about it. It was not a big deal to them. It was just part of the Christian life for them. It was an everyday occurrence for the Christians in India. And they were delighting in their suffering for Jesus Christ. What an indictment that is upon us who are timid or frightened. Here we are living in a place where we can uh, talk about Jesus openly, and we don't do it. You're right. You're so right. God help us. God help us to be more forthright and to be determined to talk to our friends and neighbors and family members about Jesus, who is the true King. Well, you're listening to More Than Medicine, Dr. Michael Clore. He's a good, good brother, a good friend. He's an evangelist himself. He's a missionary at heart. Michael, I'm just so delighted to, to have you as my guest. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.